Hey teacher bestie, my name's Helena and I'm the creator of the Present Teacher Podcast. I'm a first year teacher coach and in this podcast you are going to learn everything from simple, actionable classroom management, social emotional learning, and teacher wellness strategies. You know that impact you want to make in the classroom? Well, we're going to make it happen here. Hey there teacher besties, I'm here with Katie and I'm so excited to be talking about classroom community. Welcome Katie. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Katie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you started in your business and your teacher journey? Yeah, definitely. So like you said, my name is Katie and I'm a former second grade teacher and instructional specialist in Washington state. Uh, I'm currently at home with my two kids. As far as like what I did in a school setting, since that's pretty different from what I'm doing now, um, Well, I wore a lot of hats in my last job, but the last two biggest parts of my role were being a kindergarten through fifth grade instructional coach, and then also coordinating our school's ELL program. Um, But like I said, I was a second grade teacher before that, I think for six or seven years. Um, I always lose track. And I think this then would have been my 10th year in education um, total. But when, let's see, I think it was in 2021, I took a year off of um, teaching and being in, it, working in my school for maternity leave. And I was really missing being connected to education. So I started sharing resources and trainings online to support elementary teachers. Cause that's really, you know, elementary is my passion. Um, and my work there really is in helping teachers to build compassionate classroom communities that are really rooted in relationships, social, emotional learning, and positive behavior strategies. So that is what I'm doing now. Awesome. When you first started teaching, was classroom community something that came naturally to you or or was it something you had to learn over time? That's a great question. I think, I mean, when, you know, we we were talking about this episode and thinking about like, where did my passion for community come from? I think management has always been something I felt like was a strength of mine, even like as a newer teacher. Um, But when I started digging deeper into like, what does it mean to really be good at management? That's when I kind of realized that like community is that like foundational element below your management system. Right. Um, and that's, I think where my passion really lies. And when I think about community, I'm thinking about social emotional learning and relationships. It's that positive learning environment. And I think that was something that I felt like I came into the classroom just feeling like I had the confidence to be able to build that with my students. Um, and it definitely has evolved over time. You know, I don't even think I had heard the word social emotional learning when I started teaching, but, you know, we were talking about character and building those strengths, like, you know, optimism and gratitude and eagerness to learn and like those kinds of things. So even in my first years of teaching, I definitely had a passion for bringing in those non-academic skills into the teaching and into our our classroom so that we could enhance our learning together. So as far as your first year of teaching went, how would you say your experience was overall? I love asking this question because I feel like all of our interviews are a little bit different. So I'm kind of curious to hear how your first year went. Yeah. So I had to think back because it's been a while now. Um, I think, so I did Teach for America and I had, I think, a lot of extra support, which I think some first-year teachers don't have. You know, I had people who were providing me with extra training, coming into my classroom, providing me with feedback and stuff, which was really helpful. Um, And I think that's one of the things I remember the most when I look back to my first-year teaching. But then um, I remembered today, one of the, my first-year teaching was really hard because we lost, or not lost, our principal left like in December. And so then we had two interim principals come in 
And, you know, they were trying to co-run the school while they looked for a replacement. And then we got a new principal, like in the spring. So like my first year of teaching, it was four different administrators just trying to kind of figure out like, okay, I'm trying to learn how to be a teacher and what that means. And I'm trying to learn all the curriculum and I'm trying to understand what these different administrators are trying to implement in my school. So so there was a lot of change and a lot of trying to adapt to different things, which was really, was really a challenge. Um, And then just knowing, like, I think it makes a really big difference to have a great team in your first years of teaching. And I had teachers who I think they really wanted to help, but I feel like our team wasn't really working together very well. Like everyone kind of planned on their own. Um, I think I'm trying to remember if it was my first or second year now, but one of the teachers actually retired. She was like a veteran teacher and she decided to retire like in October. (laughs) And so then there was like a long-term sub. It was just like, you know, so many different changes and not having that, like really, um, trying to think of the right word, just like stable school environment (laughs) made it a little bit hard to navigate that first year. But I think having those extra supports um, from Teach America were helpful. And then, like I said, since community was so important to me, just focusing on that with my kids was made it a lot easier to get through that first year. It sounds like your first year was a bit chaotic. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, so when did the, do you still remember like the moment that you decided to create a business around community or what was the deciding factor that you wanted to share your knowledge with other teachers? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was, I had been home, um, on leave for a little while and this was like, you know, still mid pandemic times. And I was like, I want to be supporting teachers still like as a coach, I was supporting teachers in their classrooms and, um, I knew I wanted to reconnect with the world of education from my home. Um, and as I was starting to think like, well, what could I really offer to this like online space of, of education and like, you know, teacher Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Like, what would I have to say? And my mind went straight to classroom management, but like I said, I started to dig deeper into like, what is that really like, what actually is my passion? Cause it's not really classroom management. I'm, I, I'm definitely passionate about good classroom management, but that's not like why I became a teacher. And that's when I really started to think about the community part and digging into like, what really is the purpose of school? Like, is it just to learn the academics? Like, yeah, our kids need to learn how to read and write and do math, but they can't access those academics unless they feel safe and valued and supported by their teacher and their peers, you know, like learning is a very vulnerable process. It's full of mistakes. It's full of risk-taking and, that learning and those mistakes and those risks are only going to happen if our students feel safe enough to make those mistakes and take those risks and to do it in front of other people. Like they're not doing it in isolation. They're doing it kind of on the stage of your classroom in front of their peers. Um, So like we need to have that community in place so our kids can learn, but beyond the academics, like I start to, I mean, I get emotional thinking about it, like just thinking about if every student left our schools having experienced like this level of true belonging in a compassionate classroom community, like what that would mean for their educational career and what it would mean for their life. Like they would be walking into the world with all the tools that they need to go make their difference and their mark on the world and live their life the way that they want with all of the tools that they need to make it happen. And so that's really my dream and why community is such a passion of mine and like why I'm so excited to get to share with you and other teachers online. 
Going back to one of your first points, I think it's so interesting that you pointed out that when you dive deeper into classroom management, the basis of it is actually building community. Mm-hmm. And for a little bit of background, I'm in my fifth, sixth year teaching. And I couldn't agree with you more because as I've gained more experience, I realized that my classroom management is mostly focusing on the community aspect mm-hmm. and how vital and important it is to your classroom in general and how your kids perform. So what are the pain points that you typically see when teachers need help building that classroom community? What does that classroom look like that, you know what, maybe I do need to start working or prioritizing my community? Yeah. And I mean, like you said, I think that a lot of times teachers will feel like there's a management issue or a behavior issue, or maybe like, you know, you've been told by somebody like a mentor or admin, like we need to work on your classroom management. But like you said, it's actually down below that. So it's like, you can throw every incentive or reward or system at your classroom and try to do different ways to get points or tickets or whatever. Like none of that is going to work unless you have the community and the relationships in place. Um, so I think when you see that students are like disengaging from learning or like they're not, they're hesitant to participate. If students like their relationships with each other are, um, you know, less than ideal, like they're not interconnected and working together, collaborating. Um, if, you know, you feel like your students aren't motivated or interested in listening, like all of those things, if you are building intentional relationships with your students then it's going to make a big difference. And I guess I should back up and say too, like when I talk about community, I really believe there are four key relationships that we need to focus on in our classroom communities. I mean, there is the teacher to student relationship, but there's also teacher to family, like having strong relationships with your families is a huge part of your community and how you'll make sure that you are feeling like you have a strong classroom management plan too. But there's also student to student relationships in your classroom and being able to um, to intentionally nurture those is important. And then student to self. And that's that social emotional piece, too. So all of those need to be at play. And if you see any of those four relationships feeling like they need a little extra love, like that's kind of where that community piece needs to come in. Absolutely. So if. I feel like my classroom is struggling with the parent to teacher. What are some things I could do to kind of help that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we first need to have lots of different, not a lot, but we need to have a clear plan of how we're communicating with our families. So like making sure there's regular communication going out to all families, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's a newsletter each week or biweekly, you know, a classroom calendar going home, like just something to keep families informed with what's happening in your classroom. Um, But like, that's kind of the the basic level, right? We also want to think about how we can differentiate for our parents, knowing that like different families are going to want things in different ways um, and trying to provide different options for families. And I think one of the biggest things is um, providing opportunities for feedback. So like at the beginning of the year, um, you're going to want to definitely like get information from your families to know like what do they... um, what do they hope and dream for their child this year? And what do they want you to know about their child and how their child learns best and all of those kinds of things. So showing them that you value their input and the information they have and that you want to partner with them in that way is helpful at the beginning, but but we don't want to stop there. We also want to provide lots of opportunities for feedback throughout the year. So like on my classroom newsletters, I would often just like I mean, families knew they could get in touch with me via, you know, class dojo or email or whatever 
system that you're using, but I also would just like put a couple lines at the bottom. So it was as easy as like, they could write a note and send it back with their student to school if they had a question or something, or they had feedback. Um, And then I would always send home um, feedback surveys, like at conference time to ask them, like, how do you think the year is going? Like what's working for you and your family? What's working for your student? How does your student feel about school? So I think providing those opportunities to really show families that we want to partner with them and that we value them and we want them, not just their kids in our classroom, but we want them in our classrooms. We want their, um, their opinions and their knowledge in our classroom, like that they are welcome is a huge, huge part of it. I love how you talked about differentiating how you communicate with your families. We differentiate mm-hmm. for our students. I don't hear a lot right. of people talk about differentiating for our parents. Mm-hmm. That's really important. I love how you talked about that. What are some of the roadblocks teachers might run into when it comes to trying to incorporate classroom community? What are some of the things stopping them? I think the two biggest things are feeling like I don't have enough time to do this because like I have so much that I already have to do. And then feeling like I don't have the right tools. Like, is there a curriculum for this? Like, where are my lesson plans? Like, what am I supposed to be using to do this? So time and tools, I think are the two biggest roadblocks. And then arguably, wouldn't it save you time if you prioritize classroom community? I feel like maybe for that roadblock. Oh, totally. And I think it's more about like reframing what it really means to build community, which we can like dig into like, what does it, what does that really look like and stuff? Because I think we think we don't have time, like I don't have time to add in a morning meeting or, you know, whatever it is, but like, it's not just those things, right? It's like in everything that we do as teachers and it might take a little bit of intentional planning, but it can be weaved into what you're doing throughout the day. And like you said, having that intentional focus on classroom community is going to save you time because you your kids are going to be more engaged in learning, more motivated to follow directions and be, um, you know, like I said, just really engaged in the, the classroom community. Yeah. So we talked about what it might look like without having a strong classroom community. What does it look like when you walk into the classroom and you know that that teacher has been working on classroom community and that student to student relationship? Totally. I mean, yeah, I think community kind of has become a buzzword. Like you hear it all the time, but it's like, what does that actually mean? And what does it look like? So my working definition of community is that it's the learning environment that teachers cultivate alongside their students and families to promote a sense of belonging, safety, and joy in everyday teaching and learning. And I mean, it's more than just like I was saying your morning meeting, but it's more than your morning meeting. It's more than just games and fun activities. Like if you see those things happening in the classroom, like, yeah, that might be, um, a classroom where they have a strong community, but it's really in a place where you see students, like I said, who are engaged in learning, they're motivated to learn, and you can tell that they feel valued, they feel trusted, they feel successful, and they feel confident. And I want to go back and make sure I said this because it's so important that you want to make sure all students feel that way, right? Like there are some students that school is comes naturally for them. And like, they feel no matter what they feel confident and they feel good at school, but there are other kids who are coming to you with lots of, um, just baggage, right? Like they've had other experiences at school that make it hard for them to feel valued and trusted and successful and confident. And we have to create the environment where that can happen too. Absolutely. So as teachers, how can we I don't want to say juggle, but make sure to prioritize this aspect and prioritizing building that safe place for all students. 
Well, I love that you said juggle because I was hoping I would be able to share um, an analogy that I think is really helpful um, when we think about this because it does like teachers have so much on their plates and I know how overwhelming it can feel to hear like we need to do more when it literally feels like there's no time in the day. And I heard this analogy when I actually became a mom and I was like, this is it. This is the analogy that I need to carry with me through all parts of my life. So the idea is that like, we all drop the ball sometimes in in and out of the classroom. Like we are all carrying all these balls and we're dropping them. That just is, that's life. But we need to realize that some of the balls are plastic and some of the balls are glass. And so if you drop a plastic ball, it's going to bounce back and there's not really any harm done. But if you drop a glass ball, that ball shatters. And that's an important ball that you want to protect with every fiber of your being and all of your energy. And so as teachers, we need to decide what our plastic balls and our glass balls are. And I think that that's the way that we really make time for this and we prioritize it because we can prioritize community and relationships and connection as our glass balls and protect those. And we can drop the perfectly organized classroom and grading every single thing, or even like, I know that the academic lesson can be a plastic ball. I can throw that out the window and I can focus on my community and it will be okay because that ball is going to bounce back and I can get back to that academic lesson. But if I, if I throw away the glass ball of this moment, this opportunity to build and prioritize community and connection with my kids, like that's going to be the thing that's going to harm my community more than if I had to postpone my addition and subtraction lesson until tomorrow, you know? So I think that's a really helpful way to reframe. Absolutely. In a world where it feels like everything's a priority and everything's an emergency, I love that glass ball analogy. It's a great way to visualize throughout your day what your main um, buckets and your main you know, priorities need to be. So what are some tips if I wanted to start incorporating classroom community into my classroom? What are some ways to create a strong foundation for that? Yeah. So I have three tips I'd love to share that I really think make this work realistic and sustainable for, for teachers, because that's really what we need when we, uh, like our plates are full. And even if those are your glass balls, you still need to be able to figure out how to do this work realistically and sustainably. So I think the first one is um, to realize that like your community work and your social emotional learning work is going to be um, really integrated into everything that you do. And I think that that might sound like complicated at first, but like the first thing I would say is to realize I'm trying to think about what the quote is. It's by Dr. Patricia Jennings, I think. And she says something like social emotional learning is the only like learning domain where teachers are not just responsible for the lesson. They're responsible for being the lesson. So like just by modeling and embodying these things and like naming it for students, like the social emotional skills, you are doing this work and you can do that all day long and everything. Like if you are feeling frustrated, you can name that you're feeling frustrated and that you need to calm yourself down. Or you can like pretend like you're getting stuck on a problem and that you need to take a deep breath. Or you can come in and be honest about what's happening in your life to the extent you feel comfortable and the extent that's appropriate to show a students like, yeah, I have an emotional experience happening inside of me too that I deal with and this is how I do it. So that's one way, but also like realizing that in your classroom throughout the academic day, you can be embedding opportunities for community building and social emotional learning in all the things. So like if you 
or doing a lesson, you know, whatever in writing, you can be doing goal setting. You can be adding student choice into your lessons and your activities and even into your classroom management. You know, it can happen with read alouds if you're focusing with or you have books that are focused on things like kindness or helping others or diversity. You're building community. Even your classroom environment can support your community. Like things like having students' names or their work or their pictures up on the walls the supports in your classroom, like having a calm corner or like your meeting space, like all of that fosters that positive classroom community. So then with all of these new tips, what's a way or how can we be consistent with creating that classroom community? So that way it's consistently there for us and our kids consistently feel like they're feeling seen and heard. Yeah. You're literally reading my mind because the next thing I wanted to talk about was making it easy to be consistent. <laughs> so It's so important that we create that consistency because that's what matters most in relationships. Like first, we have to realize that consistency is like the basis for trust, right? And if we're building trust with students, we need to to show up consistently and we need to be able to have our classroom be predictable. So a couple of things I would say is think about how you can uh, implement like classroom rituals into your classroom. And when something is a predictable ritual, it's going to create that feeling of safety and positive culture in your classroom. So things like um, just, you know, having your morning meeting or doing mood check-ins or an end of the day meeting, student shout outs, like things that are going to happen every day, but even smaller things like greeting kids by name as they enter your classroom or having a class pledge you say every day or playing the same music when kids come back from lunch, like they can be really small things too. Um, But then like we, like you said, we need to figure out how we can make this consistent for our kids. And I think one of the big things that we need to do is try to choose just a couple of strategies that really focus in those different relationships, like your family relationships, your peer relationships, your relationships with your students, and really try to make them easy and doable and consistent before you add on more. Like it can feel like you need to do everything all at once, but really like starting small and feeling like, yep, okay, I now every day greet my kids at the door. I'm ready to add the next thing. Or, okay, we're doing a morning meeting every day. And now let's see if we can add in a mood check-in. Like, don't try to do everything all at once. So yeah, I think it's really helpful to focus on one small thing first and then add on more things as you feel more confident. So things like If you can have one strategy for each of those key relationships, like you and your uh, families, the peer relationships between you and your students, like once you feel like you have one thing, you can add on more and more as you feel confident. Um, And the last thing I think too is thinking about how you can use like hacks, I guess is like a word I would use to help yourself stay consistent. So like scheduling it, right? Like literally writing it in your plan book, adding it to your calendar, putting it on the schedule on your whiteboard so that like, you know, that it's happening Um, or like setting a silent alarm on your watch or phone or whatever you have so that you can remember to do it, to make it go from a goal to reality. And I think too, going in with a plan can really help you. Like if you like, are telling yourself, I want to make a positive phone call home, but you don't know what you're going to say on that positive phone call home. It's going to always be something that you postpone. So having a script for those calls or knowing what get to know you question you want to ask that hard to reach student or like knowing what you want to talk about during your morning meeting, just having that plan is going to remove that extra stress and friction so that this work just becomes easier and it becomes easier to be consistent. 
All those strategies are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I love the alarms. I know I personally use those in my classroom as well because I tend to forget and it's just a great reminder. Um, I love to end the podcast episodes with this question and that is, if you could talk to a first-year teacher, what advice would you give them? Or if you could go back and give talk to first-year teacher you, what advice would you give yourself? That's a great question. I think, I mean, beyond the obvious of like focus on <laughs> focus on community and relationships, because like that would be my number one thing. I think speaking more to like the fact that you are always going to be learning and you're always going to be getting better. And I know I need to hear this too. Like I look back at some of the things that I did in my first years of teaching when I didn't know that there was a better way. And I just have to know that I always had the best intention and that I always am committed to becoming a better teacher and a better educator. And so knowing that like, you just have to try your best with the knowledge that you have now and always be trying to keep learning so that you can keep improving and being the best teacher you can be for your students. And then do your best to say, it's okay that I wasn't the best that year or that I wasn't the best that day or that I wasn't the best, you know, last month that like, I'm always becoming the best version of myself and that's okay. That's a great reminder. I actually need that too. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you so much for all these strategies. If we want to learn more about how to create a classroom community, where can we go to get in touch with you? Yeah, I think the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm there at Katie Couples Teaching, which Katie and Couples are probably not spelled the way that you think they are. So maybe that can be linked in the show notes because uh, yeah, they're not all those. Um, so find me on Instagram. I've got resources on TPT and um, trainings and workshops on Pop PD. Um, so that'd be the best place. And I'd love for you to pop in and say hi that you'll listen to this episode because I love connecting with teachers, especially new teachers. So definitely come um, hang out with me there. Awesome. Yes, I will definitely put all this info in the show notes. And then um, so if we wanted to start incorporating different ways that we can communicate with our students, where's a good place we could go? Yeah, I actually have a really great uh, resource that you can get for free. You can find it. I'm sure it'll be linked here, but also over on my Instagram. Um, I have 101 conversation starters that you can use with your students. They're perfect for one-on-one conversations or small groups or even whole class discussions. And it's a really great mix of like fun and silly questions or meaningful questions and like classic get to know you type questions. So that would be a great resource that you can grab, like I said, for free um, to help you start getting to know your students even better today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. And I will definitely link all this in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. I know the listeners learned a lot and I'm definitely incorporating some of these strategies tomorrow when I go back to work too. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope that you were able to take away some value that will help you thrive inside and out of the classroom. It would mean the world to me if you could take five seconds right now and leave a review on this podcast. And if you found this podcast especially helpful, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now and tag me on your socials to let me know you're listening. As always, remember that we are stronger together with all the love in the world, Helena, aka the present. See you next time, teacher bestie.